I want to begin a series with you today called Maximize Christianity. I read a story a few years ago about a man who lived in what was a very desolate kind of setting. Everybody in town knew him, but as he lived, his house was falling in. It seemed like he lived in, in the worst condition of all. And yet on, when they found out that the man had passed away and they went into his house, as they began to go through his belongings, they found underneath his bed stocks and bonds that were worth over millions of dollars. Everybody in the city was totally blown away because this man had lived in such a dire circumstances for so long. My responsibility over the next few weeks is to help you discover what's underneath your bed. Because I believe with all of my heart that as Christians, that God has called us to live maximum, but a lot of us are living at the minimum. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how do we go about moving into that abundant life that the Word of God talks about. So would you take your Bible or whatever you have the Word of God downloaded on and go to the book of Ephesians, the second chapter. And as you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses today. I am Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're joining with us today. Whatever campus you're at, we welcome you. We're thankful for what God is doing at every location of Love and Truth Church, and we believe today that God has a word for all of us as we gather together corporately. The book of Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 18 and 19, says this, For through Him, speaking of Jesus, for through Jesus we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Verse 19 is where I want to key in on. It says, Consequently, we are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Now, here's what I'm going to be talking about today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. I'm going to be talking about you are an heir. The Word of God lets us know that we are heirs of God, that we have been given the, the benefit today to truly be an heir. Now, when I talk about being an heir, here's what I'm talking about, and that is this, is that you have the right as an heir. If you are an heir, let, let's say, if you are Bill Gates' heir, you're praying he dies quickly. No, kidding, kidding. If you, if you are an heir of somebody, it means that everything that they have is, is yours, potentially. The great thing about the kingdom of God is that we understand that we don't have to wait to the sweet by and by because the one who has purchased our salvation, the Bible says, has freely given unto us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Now here's the deal. Because of Jesus Christ, we are part of the family of God. And I hope to be able to help you over the next few weeks to realize what it means to be part of the family of God. Now, we, how many of you know that, that if you come into a family, uh, you know, you, you found out maybe you got married or maybe you were adopted or whatever, that, that you had to find out some things about your new family, right? Well, I'm going to talk to you about some things about your new family today and, and how that operates in your life. John 3, 3, Here, here's one of the aspects you have to understand about this new family. John 3, 3, Jesus says this, Verily, or truly, in fact, he says it twice, Truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, that word born again has is, is kind of become a cliche and kind of even fallen out of use in the past several years. But here's, here's what happened. 
The scripture says that there came a man to Jesus named Nicodemus. He was, he was an intelligent man. He was a man of, of great means. And he approached Jesus and he talked to Jesus. In fact, the Bible says he, that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Now, I like to call that Nick at night. All right? So Nick comes at night to Jesus and, and the Word of God says that while he is there, he enters this, this discourse, and he says, we know you're a great teacher and that you're sent of God, and, and he goes through this whole thing. But, but then the Bible says uh, that he asked the, the Lord, how do I enter in to this relationship in the kingdom of God? How do, how do I possess the kingdom of God? And Jesus looked at him and said, Nicodemus, don't you understand that that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, for you to be hearing this sermon today, you have to have been born of flesh. Or you couldn't hear it, all right? So we've all been born of flesh, but Nicodemus had to understand that you had to be born of the Spirit. So one of the aspects of this family is that you have to be born into it. All right? You have to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's wonderful about this. The Word of God lets us know that you and I, in fact, the Word of God lets us know that everybody who has been born on this planet has the opportunity to come into this family. It is a wonderful family, but it's wide open. The Word of God lets us know that you and I have the opportunity that if we will come to that place of saying, Lord, we want to be in your kingdom, we want to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that was given on our behalf, and God, we come today believing. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then I'll be saved. So number one is, you got to be born into it. But there's, there's more to this whole thing. There's more to being part of the family and, and receiving the heir that I am given today. The, the second thing, Colossians 1.13 says this. The Apostle Paul writing there to the church at Colossae says, he says, for he has rescued us, all right? Talking about God. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Now, now watch this. Not only... Am I born into this family? But the second thing that happens when I get born again is that I get set free. The, the scripture there says that you were in the dominion. You understand that word dominion? It's, it's a rulership. It's something that's holding you down. Well, let's use it in this way. Let's say that you are working in a, in a plant, you're working in a business, you're working in an office, whatever, but you are working for somebody who is the most horrible boss that there could be. I mean, they keep you down, uh, they don't treat you right. I mean, it's just a horrible circumstance. And then one day, and for whatever reason, you work there for years. You know, you just don't know any better or whatever, all right? But then all of a sudden, you get a new job. And you move to a new place with, with a, a, an employer that is kind, they're loving, they're encouraging your talents and your abilities, and that you can live the fullness. How many of you know, though, even that you are in a new environment, you still have a tendency to live the old way? Right? See, when we come to salvation in Jesus Christ, it does not mean that we aren't still living in some bondage. Wow. There's, there's a lot of Christians who still are listening to the voice 
of the old boss. I mean, think about this in the natural. Think that you're working in this new environment. You're working in this new company. You're, you're at this new office, whatever it is you're doing. And the old boss from the old place comes in and starts trying to tell you what to do. What would you do? You'd say, get back, Jack. I am not messing with you. You are not my boss anymore. And yet, a lot of us, even though we came in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we got saved we're still living under the dominion of old habits, of old lifestyles. We're still thinking the same bad thoughts. We're still saying the same negative things. They're still going out of us on a continual basis because we are still allowing the old boss to have dominion in our life. And yet the scripture says God has taken, out of, taken us out of the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I want to tell you, you need to understand today that you are no longer under the dominion of Satan. Quit listening to his voice. Quit doing what he tells you to do. Quit being addicted to all the things that he throws in your path and just say, wait a minute, I know who I am. The Son of God has saved me, and I refuse to allow you to tell me what to do anymore. I am free in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we, we begin to live that way. But it doesn't stop there. Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 16 and 17, says this. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I don't miss that. Well, whose kid are you? I'm God's child. Amen? Let, let, me, let me do it this way. How many of you have, have ever heard anything about Prince Charles or Prince Harry or Prince William from England? Anybody ever heard that? A few years ago, I got to go to England, and we went through and looked at the crown jewels and all that stuff. Um, how many of you know that from the day of their birth, they are taught who they are? They're an heir. Prince Charles is an heir to the throne of England. Prince William is the next in line. To the, they, they know that. How many of you know you live differently when you know you're an heir? Right? I guarantee you. In fact, let me, let me read verse 17 and I'll show you. Verse 17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of who? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, that's talking about the cross, if we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, if I am an heir, guess what? Prince Charles has never one time, now Prince Charles is pretty dumb. Some of you are asking, how can you say that? Did you see who he divorced and who he married? Do I need to delve into that and help you? All right? And you know what? If Prince Charles were here right now and heard me say that, he could care less about what I said. Why? Because he knows who he is. Prince William knows who he is. Prince Harry's going to pull some crazy stunt, but he knows who he is. See, how many Christians don't know who they are? We allow every voice to tell us and to form us and to push us into the mold that they want us to be. 
we're told you're a loser we're told you're not worth anything we're told you'll never amount to anything we're told you're just a poor old sinner saved by grace and yet God never calls you a sinner saved by grace God says you are his child see if we would begin to live if, if I would understand I am an heir and the New International Version says a co-heir with Jesus Christ I, I can live there. I, I don't listen. It, it's not about the color of my skin. It's not about if I'm male or female. It's not about my educational level or my lack of education. It's not about where I live or where I don't live, what I drive. I had none of that. Why? Because when I understand who owns me, whose I am, then I don't worry about. I mean, can you imagine uh, tomorrow morning, Prince William getting up and going, uh, you know, Kate, I don't know if we got any food today. You know, I'm really worried about if we're going to be able to pay our bills. Come on, how many of us, how many, how many, come on, I'm, I'm going to mess with you. How many Christians have sat around the table and go, I don't know if we're going to be able to pay the bills this week. Do you know that Prince William has never one time worried about paying the bills? Never worried about if I get sick, am I going to be able to be taken care of? Why? Because he understands that he has a gyra in his life. The word gyra means provider. He has provision and he understands that. If we would come to the same place, Abraham lifting up the knife to plunge it into the body of his only begotten son, the word of God says that when that happened, that as he did that that day, God spoke and said, don't do it. You, I have provided a ram for you. And the word of God says that Abraham cries out, Jehovah, my provider, Jehovah, Jireh. What would happen to us the next time that we had a need if we said, Jehovah, Jireh? Well, I, I don't know how I'm, gonna, how I'm gonna handle this, Jehovah Jireh. Well, my family's in a mess, Jehovah Jireh. Well, I, I'm going through this situation, Jehovah Jireh is my daddy. Come on, let's just get good and southern for a minute. He's my daddy. And he's gonna take care. There's nothing that I need that he doesn't already have. The Bible says he has blessed us with all things. I looked up the word all or everything. The word everything, I don't care. You look at it in Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. You can look at it in English. It means everything. God has blessed us with all things. He's blessed us with everything. The Scripture says that he has given unto us everything that pertains to life. That's natural, carnal things, and to godliness. That's spiritual things. So why do we continue to live with the stocks and the bonds under our bed when all we got to do is start cashing in what our Father already has provided? Do you remember what Jesus said in John the 10th chapter? Here's what Jesus said. He said the enemy, the thief, Satan comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. He said, but I am come. That you may have what? Life and that life more abundantly. In other words, I want you to live maximized Christianity. What would happen today if we begin to live at that maximum level of Christianity? 
What if we begin to quit allowing the devil to steal, kill, and destroy and start allowing God to release in our life everything that we need, every blessing that we need, everything that we stand in need of, that we just say, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. If we could begin to live that way, we would begin to see this maximum Christianity taking place in our life. It doesn't stop there. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, the 15th verse says this. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. You know, the, the Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament, which really could be better summed up, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Jesus is the mediator of the New Covenant. That those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now hear this. He said they're going to receive an eternal inheritance. It's not something that's going to pass away. I, I'm thankful for what God is doing on this earth now in my life. But you know what? When this life is over, I just step from one dimension into the next. The Apostle Paul said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He, he said, I'm, I'm just moving. I'm, I'm living here under the blessings of the covenant but he said, when I step off of this world, when you don't see me anymore, I'm still in an eternal covenant. See, you, you, you have a covenant. That's, that's the fourth benefit. You have a blessing. That, you have a covenant with God. It's a covenantial relationship in this family. Now, covenant's not something we spend a lot of time about in our society. We talk more about contracts, and contracts are a bunch of junk. Covenant is good. All right? Contract is, is all about how to get out of it covenant is about here's what god says if you will then i will all right now now watch this the the bible says about abraham that abraham was blessed in all things again go look up the word all it just means all all right everything it, it, it doesn't leave anything out in fact one day one of the servants of abraham they were asking him about abraham and and this recording in scripture he he said this about abraham he said my master is very rich he, he didn't say he's just got a little something he said he's very rich now people get a little nervous when you begin to talk about monetary blessings they get a little nervous when you talk about physical blessings they, they get a little you know that that you can well, you know what, well, Pastor, I, I just believe God's got me in poverty and he wants me to be there. Well, okay. Go ahead. But here's what John said. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. In other words, what God is saying to us is that as I am in this family, as I am an heir of God, that I can believe God for prosperity. Now, don't, don't psych yourself into this moment that prosperity is about money. That's only a little bit of prosperity. Prosperity is about everything in life. It's about prospering in your relationship. It's about prospering in your business. It's about prospering in everything. In fact, the Bible says, whatever we set our hands to do, it shall prosper. So, so God is saying to us, look, I've, I've given you this covenant. It's an eternal covenant. It's an everlasting covenant that you have for, for your life. So that's, that's what I mean. When I understand I'm an heir, then that's how all that's operating. But you know what? There are some benefits. Let me close with three benefits real quick in about the next 10 minutes. I want to share with you three benefits that come into your life 
as a result. They're found in the book of Psalm, the 37th chapter. In fact, I would encourage you uh, this week or in your Bible reading time that you would spend time in the 37th Psalm and, and just begin to read what David says to us about what is ours and what our relationship is with God Almighty. Verse, verse 18 of the 37th chapter says this, The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. So number one is, I have an eternal inheritance. All right, I got an eternal covenant, but that covenant gives me an eternal inheritance. You know what? I don't worry about whether or not I'm going to heaven or hell. I've been told to go, but I'm not going. Not signing up for that train ticket. People tell me that as long as they want to, but I'm not going. Why? Because I have an eternal inheritance in Jesus Christ. I know, the Bible says, in whom I have believed, and I know that He, God, is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. So I have committed my life to Jesus Christ. And so because of that, I know that I have an inheritance in the heavenlies. And so I know one day I'll die, but I go to heaven. And so there's no question about where I'm going to spend my eternity. 30, uh, chapter 37, verse 19 says, In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. Verse 25, here's what David says. He said, I was young, and now I'm old. I don't claim that part, David. Yet, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. You say, well, David was the king. That's why he could say that. Well, go back a little bit. Go back in David's life after he's been anointed to be king, but before he gets to be king. Go when Saul is doing everything he can to kill David. Go where David assembles what is later referred to as his mighty men of valor. But when you first read about them, they owe everybody and their dog. They're running from the law. No, I'm serious. I'm not making this up. It's in the book. Go read it. I mean, they, they are the, you'd look at them and go, I don't want them. They're the wrong bunch. And yet David takes them. And he spends time, and I don't have time for this, but he spends time in a place called the Cave of Adullam, which is one of the most desolate places that he could ever have been. And yet David still says, even in the midst of all of that, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. In other words, Lord, you are my provider. Provision. Provision is a benefit of being part of the king. I know I talked about it, but I'm going to bring it back to you because I want you to get the junk out from under the bed. There's blessings under there. There's benefits under there. Well, one day when Jesus comes, I'm going to have everything I need. Jesus already came, guys. Newsflash. I'm not waiting for Jesus to come. He's already come. He's already said Repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's already said to us, we are heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. He's already told us there's coming a day when you ask anything in my name, you're going to get it. 
Now, if that is true, why are so many Christians waiting to the sweet by and by? Yeah, when I get home with Jesus. Really? Come on. When I get home with Jesus, Jesus lives in me. Jesus, watch this. I'm not going home to be with Jesus. Jesus came and set up his home in me. That's what it is about today, of understanding that I am an heir of God and I have the benefits of provision in my life. And what, what's that about? Well, watch this. I'll do this quickly. The, the Word of God says that when you sow, you can expect 30, 60, and what? 100-fold return. Now, that's a great offering. Well, bless God if you give. And, and it, you can use it for that, but it's, it's not specifically about that. What it's about is sowing seed in, in whatever area of life. And so here's, here's what's that about. Instead of that being something that's for me, a blessing, or what if I do this? No, no. If I begin to sow the Word of God into somebody's life, then God's going to begin to bless them, and all of a sudden I'm going to see their life changing. If, if I show kindness to someone who's hard-hearted, all of a sudden their hard-heartedness begins to change, and there's a 30-fold return. There's a 60 foot, and all of a sudden I wake up one day and go, man, do you see the difference in that person's life? Why? Because as I give, as provision comes into my life, and I release that, then I begin to see the benefits, not that I am accruing that so that I can say, look what I've got, it's so that lives can be changed. Every time I speak the Word of God, every time I sow the Word of God into somebody's life, I'm expecting 30, 60, and 100-fold return. Every time you tell somebody that Jesus loves them, you ought to be expecting 30, 60, and 100-fold return, the provision that God can bring into your life and to the life of people. Last is this, Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. And again, go home and read this whole passage if you would. The Bible says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. If you want to stand on solid ground, begin to delight yourself in the Lord. And then the psalmist goes on, though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Now watch this, the last thing is this. The last benefit of being an heir of God is what I just want to recall, recovery. All right? Here, here's, here's what happens in our life. We stumble. We mess up. We fail. We lie. We cheat. We get hooked on something again. We do what, and, and the enemy, remember the old boss, he shows up and says, look at what you've done. You no good so-and-so. And we start going, yeah, you're right. I'm horrible. I'm the world's worst. And yet the word of God says, though I stumble. Some of you need this. Need to hear me. Though, though I make a mistake, though I fail, though, watch this, though I sin. I'm not bound for hell. Why? He won't let me fall. He upholds me with his hand. Listen, if you understand that God is going to bring back into your life, everything that's been stolen, you'll live differently. 
Lord, I'm believing today for recovery. The enemy, the scripture says it this way, it says when the, the thief is caught, he is to restore sevenfold what he took. I, I want you to understand, the devil took a bunch of stuff from you. Took your joy, took your peace, took some of you, took your years of life, it took your health, it's done all kind of things to you, and you need to understand today that one of the benefits now that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ. You are an heir, and because I am an heir, I know today that I am going to recover what the enemy stole. I'm not going to allow him any longer to rule my life. I am going to walk victoriously in the presence and in the power of God. See, when you begin to understand that, you begin to say, wait a minute. I've had a bunch of stuff under the bed that I need to start pulling out because I want to live my life at a maximum level. I don't want to limp through life. I don't, I, maybe, maybe, maybe at times I push people too much, but I want to tell you, I just don't want to settle for second best. I don't want to settle for second best in any area that God has told me I'm an overcomer in. And so if he says I'm an overcomer, that means in any area of my life, I have the right to believe for his blessings, his goodness, and his mercy. And so you know what? The Bible says it this way, and I close. It says, surely goodness and mercy are going to what? Follow. Everywhere you go, I won't move for the sake of the camera, but for everywhere you go, goodness and mercy are right behind you. Goodness, watch, and I'm done. Goodness bringing the gifts. Mercy holding you up and saying, even if you stumble, you're not going to fall because you're my child. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ.